Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. So let's just get a, let's come back for a little reality check. When did the brothers think evil of Joseph? All right, so when they were angry with them, okay. Anything else? You remember? When he dreamed, when he dreamed, that's right. When he dreamed, he dreamed, okay, so first of all, let's take, all right, so first one is angry with them, and, and, and in Genesis 37, 19, Genesis 37, 19, where we see they said one to another, behold, this dreamer cometh. Come now, therefore, let us slay him and cast him into some pit, and we'll say some evil beast hath devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his, his dreams. Actually, they did, they did hang on to part two of their plan, the evil beast part. And, and, the, and, the, and the evil they thought against Joseph was, was um, also, as you said, they hated Joseph, and they really hated him for two reasons. The first reason they hated him was because their father loved him more than them and made this special code. And that was in Genesis 37.4. Genesis 37.4, it says, when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and, and, and could not speak peaceably unto him. Boy, that'd be a nice home, huh? <clears throat> they just couldn't carry on a conversation at all. They, they, they couldn't be peaceful. Okay. So, then the brothers also hated him, and, and, and you see that, again, back at the pit, when they called him this dreamer, this dreamer cometh, that derogatory term. And, and, and that was when he told them about his dreams in Genesis 37. Genesis 37, 5 and, and 8, Joseph dreamed a dream. He told his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. In verse 8, his brethren said unto him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us? Shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. So the evil that his brothers thought toward Joseph was that they hated him. And, and, and that's what Jacob, their father, said about them in, in, a, in a picture that he painted on his deathbed in, in the p- previous chapter, Genesis 49, verse 23. Genesis 49, 23. What Jacob said about Joseph, the archers sorely grieved him and shot at him and hated him. So the archers who grieved Joseph and shot at him were his brothers. His brothers are all standing around the, the father who's dying, and, and, he's, and he's, he's talking about them. I mean, they might have said to themselves, I think he's talking about us. The archers shot at and hated him. I mean, that must have been pretty painful for poor, poor Jacob. You know, can't he have a peaceful death even? I mean, he's on his deathbed and his own sons are around him and he's explained to them, 
you hated the person that I loved the most, Joseph. I mean, imagine all the brothers, you know, gathered around the father who's dying, and he says that you hated the person I loved the most, and you shot arrows at him. So Jacob, on his deathbed, he calls his sons archers, archers who shot at Joseph. I mean, just imagine that picture that Jacob's trying to paint for his sons as archers shooting at the vulnerable Joseph. I mean, an archer is like a sniper. He's like a sniper. He keeps himself concealed. He's waiting. He's waiting just for that, that, that moment when his victim is exposed and his victim is at risk. And then with this quiet stealth, he draws back on the bow and lets this scient fatal error, fatal, 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 however you say it, arrow twist itself through the wind and, and hit his target. I mean, that's the picture that's given in Lamentations 3.12. Lamentations 3.12. He hath bent his bow and set me as a mark for the arrow. And this terror aspect is what David is pointing out in Psalm 91.5. Psalm 91.5, he speaks about the arrow that flieth by day. That's it. The silent whirling arrow comes out of nowhere, hits the mark. <clears throat> now, it reminds me of my house. I told you this before. You got these finch, these finch feeders. The finch feeders, and they love it, and they go there and they eat that, you know. And yesterday I was looking around, and I said there was no finches on the feeders. Why? Well, <clears throat> so when I went to go check it out, down in the bushes emerged this beautiful, very wide-spanned, uh, winged, red-tailed hawk that just took off like that. I thought, okay, well, finches are smarter than I am. They know he's there, so... But he sw- I've seen it before, you know, you're sitting there, and it's surreal. You're watching the finches, and all of a sudden, it's like a, it's like a movie or something. This, in total silence, this massive beast comes down, flapping his wings and disturbing the air so the finches can't fly, and he grabs one, and he's gone, and it happens like that. And you go, did I see that? And, and then, of course, then there's no more birds there, so you know you did. Anyway, so in verse 20... Back to our chapter. In verse 20, Joseph says, ye thought evil against me. He's saying you had evil thoughts against me in your minds. Now, <clears throat> what's interesting here is that in, in, in our Bibles, and, 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 uh, and many of you use the good old King James like I do, but okay. So in our English Bibles, we read the words thought and meant. You thought evil, but God meant it for good. You thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good. In verse 20. We read those two words. We read English. You know, thought, meant, okay. And when we read those two words, thought and meant, in our English Bibles, we think to ourselves, oh, those are obviously two different words. Whatever they were in the Hebrew, they're, they're two different words, thought and meant. But the amazing thing, one of the, but the interesting thing about this, they're not two different words. They're actually the same word. It's the same Hebrew word. They just gave different, 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 different English words for it. But it's this Hebrew word that's behind these two words, thought and meant, where there's a, a, a wonderful picture that's being painted here, and, and, and it's, it's really designed to make the brothers orient themselves toward God. So with this picture, uh, what God is doing in his place what Joseph could never do, because this is the context now. He says, am I in the place of God? And now he's saying, well, this is, I'm going to show you what God's done that I couldn't do. 
Now, the Hebrew word behind the words thought and meant in verse 20 is the same Hebrew word that's used to describe what God did to Abraham in Genesis 15, Genesis 15, 5. In Genesis 15, 5, God said to Abraham, I'll tell you something about your seed. He brought him forth abroad and said, look now toward heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, so shall thy seed be. And then in verse 6, Genesis 15, 6, it says, he, that's Abraham, he believed in the Lord, and then it says, and he counted it to him for righteousness. Now, in that verse, it's the same word, counted, as thought and meant in Genesis 50, verse 20. And and that word, that Hebrew word is the word chashab, chashab. Now, what's interesting here is, is how this word chashab is used in the book of Exodus when, it, when, when God was describing to Moses how you need to make the tabernacle. And God was very specific, and he told Moses, don't freelance in this. Don't come up with your own ideas. Do it the way you saw it. So you obviously saw it in heaven. Anyway, he's describing the work in, in, in Exodus, the work of, of, the, of Bezalel and Aholiab, and, and they're going to make the curtains for the tabernacle, the curtains. So he says in Exodus 26, verse 1, in Exodus 26, verse 1, Moreover, thou shalt make the tabernacle with, with ten curtains of fine twined linen and blue and purple and scarlet with cherubim. Only my Bible says cherubims, but forget that. With cherubim, because we don't say hippopotamize or octopies, but anyway, it doesn't matter. But okay, make the cherubim with of cunning work shalt thou make them. So now the Hebrew word there in that in Exodus twenty six one for cunning, the word that's behind cunning is the same word chashab, chashab. It's the word that Joseph has used twice in Genesis fifty verse twenty. Genesis fifty verse twenty, and so in this description in Exodus twenty six one, Exodus twenty six one. God is explaining to Moses that, that the curtains were to be fine-twined linen, okay? Just like the ones you buy on the Amazon, Egyptian cotton. Anyway, Egyptian cotton, like, okay, the sheets today, okay. And so this fine linen, this fine white linen, uh, it, uh, is to be the base on which they were to use blue thread and purple thread and red thread and they were to create the cherubim, embroider. In other words, they were to stitch weave. They were to embroider by stitch weaving the cherubim on this linen to make the, 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 um, the, to make the curtains for the tabernacle. And if you go to the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, not that I'm giving a plug, but you can see a life-size model of the tabernacle and, and uh, curtains. Not the very exact same curtains that God had made there, but anyway. So this stitch weaving, God called chashab, chashab, this embroidering. And so now in Genesis 12, he says to, to, to Abraham, that, that he said that Abraham, in Genesis 12, says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. And so literally it means that Abraham believed God and then God wove into Abraham righteousness, chashab. 
Just like it says in 1 Corinthians 1.30. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, Of him are you in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us righteousness. And Romans 13.14, Romans 13.14, Put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. And Job 29.4, Job 29.4, I will put on righteousness and it clothed me. I put on, I put on righteousness and it clothed me. In Isaiah 60, 61, 10, Isaiah 61, 10, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath covered me with the robe of righteousness. So the term that God used to describe covering Abraham or, or putting it to Abraham, this righteousness is hashap. It's the word weaving. This is the same word that Joseph has used twice in, in, in verse 20, Genesis 50, verse 20, when he said, but as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good. You thought, or chashab, or wove evil against me, but God meant, or chashab, or wove it unto good. So when Joseph was saying these things, you wove evil against me, but God wove it unto good. What he meant when he said you wove it unto good is that the very evil that the brothers were weaving against Joseph, that God says, okay, give me that. I'd like to picture it like a thread. Give me that thread, that evil thread, and I will weave it into good. So God used the evil that his brothers had worked to weave as the very threads to weave this work of good. That's what God did. And that's exactly what God did because the brothers did everything they could to make sure that Joseph's dreams of them bowing down to him didn't happen, would never happen, that, that no one would bow down to him. But God took the, the, what, it, what the brothers did in selling Joseph into Egypt, and, and he made Joseph a greater ruler out of it, and a more of, a, of an instrument of blessing than he ever would have been had the brothers not sold him, never sold him. And this is what God loves to do. He loves to take the curse and make it into a blessing, which is what he did in the case of the Lord Jesus when it says in Acts 2.23, which is the verse I couldn't remember last week. Okay. It, it, I told you it was there. It's still there. Acts 2.23. Acts 2.23, where it says about the Lord Jesus, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken, it says in this text, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. Okay, so that was the evil. Now watch, now God says, whom God, takes that very threads, whom God raised up, having loosed from the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holding of it. So they with wicked hands thought evil against the Lord Jesus. He was crucified, but God meant the death of the Lord Jesus to be for good, when he raised him from the dead and, and made his death to be the door of salvation for all men. So, in, so when Joseph uses this word hashab, or weaving twice in this verse, <clears throat> to describe what his brothers were doing, to describe what God was doing, he's really describing here a race or a competition between the weavers. We have the weavers on this side, the brothers, you have God on this side, though he's, he's, he's weaving, both are weaving, okay, weave on! That's what's going on. So Joseph is saying his brothers are weaving furiously to make this work of evil against Joseph. 
And while at the same time, God is also weaving furiously to make a work of good for many people. So Joseph's brothers are weaving their plan to kill him. Their thoughts were like a person weaving a cloth, working toward finishing their cloth. And and for their brothers, their their, their cloth would be finished and woven on the day that they killed Joseph or that he died. And God, on the other hand, is also weaving for good. And the fact that Joseph uses the same words, chashab, weaving, twice to describe how God meant it unto good, makes it, it, it makes it so rich in meaning. Because again, it's interesting to see that, 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 the, that the Hebrew word chashab here is used to describe what God is doing for good. And this is Joseph. This is Joseph who sees God in everything in life. And he's seeing this race of the weavers. His brothers are weaving with the goal to kill him. God is weaving, and, and God is weaving a completely different cloth. Completely different. The brothers are weaving an ugly cloth of death. God is weaving a beautiful cloth of life. And so the brothers are weaving evil, the God's weaving good. Now, it's the race. Okay. One side, Joseph's brothers, okay, faster and faster. And the other side is God. So they're, they're, they're weaving evil, evil. They want to throw him into a pit, a waterless pit in the desert. And, 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 this, uh, and more weaving. Sell them to the uh, Midianites. And get rid of them way down there in Egypt. Who even knows where that place is? And the other side, there's God. He's also weaving for good. And God's hashab. He's weaving good. And, 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 he, and he's causing the brothers to, wait a minute. We, we kill them. There's no money in that. Let's make some money out of it already. So they sell them to the Midianites. And God's hashab. He's weaving good. He has the Midianites sell Joseph to Potiphar. And then... And then you get a little wife complication in there that throws him in prison, but okay. And then, but he weaves good out of that because then there's two men down there in the prison. They have dreams that really trouble him. They don't know what's going on. And so he hashab, he, he, he gives Joseph the interpretation of their dreams. And, and then, he, and then, and then, and then uh, God hashab, he's weaving and, and, and Pharaoh has the disturbing dreams. And then, and then God hashab, he gives Joseph the interpretation of Pharaoh's dreams and and so all the time here, God is working here. And eventually Joseph becomes ruler over, over Egypt, and he saves many, many people. He saves all, much people alive from starvation. So there's the two weavers. Joseph's brothers, they're Hashab weaving evil. God, Hashab is weaving good. And, and the question is, who's the winner? Who's the winner of the weaving contest? Okay. Clearly, God is the winner. He's the better weaver in this race of the weaving. So you can, see, you can see Joseph as he's describing these things. He's kind of smiling. He's smiling in an adoration uh, of God. He, he, you, know, you, you can see him. His, you know, his brothers are weaving death, and God is weaving life, and he, he's smiling. You can, see, you, can see him, you can see Joseph saying, Go, God! Go, God! Outweave him! Outweave him! All right. Now, this is how God took as his threads the very evil work that the brothers were weaving, and he used it to weave a work of life. So Joseph turns now to his brothers, because he just said this, right? He said in verse 19, am I in the place of God? And then he describes this, this incredible weaving, wonderful weaving that God's done to, in a work of life. So you can almost see him now, after you said in verse 20, turning to his brothers and says, boys, you think there's any way that I could have done that? Am I in the place of God? Do you think there's any way that I could take the evil work of death and use it as threads to make a good work of life? Am I in the place of God? I mean, what a mighty God we serve. 
He might have sung that. What a mighty God we serve. Angels bow before him. Heaven and earth adore him. What a mighty God we serve. So when Joseph looks back over now over what he had done, Joseph had done in Egypt, in saving us from starvation, one thing we see Joseph not doing is he is not sitting there and say, well, now let me just take a look at what I did here. What do you know about that? Wow, I guess I really did a great work here. I mean, I set up all this logistics to build all these storehouses throughout Egypt when there wasn't even the internet to communicate with people. I collected all this grain. I distributed it all throughout Egypt. And now I think about it, I guess I really do deserve credit for all that. That wasn't Joseph. No. And that's not how Joseph saw it all. Joseph saw all that was against him, and like his brothers, and Joseph saw how God made all that work together for good so, so he could do his work of deliverance. So when Joseph said, in, in verse 20, in, in essence, God wove it unto good, that's, that's a picture of Joseph giving God the glory. That's what it looks like when, 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 when a person gives God the glory. It's, it's specific. He didn't just say, well, to God be the glory and walk away. No, no, no. He's saying, no, to God be the glory because he wove this, the evil, into good. And so, and so that's what he's saying in verse 20. God wove it unto good. But there's another lesson in this for us. And, and it comes in, in um, there. And it says, again, but as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it for good to save much people alive. There's kind of like a movement in that, in that statement, in those verses. There's a movement where, uh, uh, going from, from one to the other. There's actually four parties that Joseph is talking about. Who are the four parties in, in that phrase? As for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to save much people alive. Who's the first party? As for you, you, the brothers. Okay. Who's the second party? God. God meant it unto good. Who's the third party? Who's the third party? Joseph. And who's the fourth party? All the people who have saved a life. Right. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Reach Israel. 
Join Tom Cantor for the second annual Israel Restoration Ministries Jewish Evangelism and Training Conference in San Diego, California, February 22nd and 23rd at the Creation and Earth History Museum. Early bird registration, only $99, includes a two-day conference pass, meals, teaching, Creation Museum and Tabernacle admission, plus over $150 worth of equipping resources. Come hear Tom Cantor, Dr. Michael Brown, Dan Sered, and more on how we can reach the lost in America and Israel on February 22nd and 23rd. Call 619-599-1104, 619-599-1104, or sign up at ReachIsrael.com. That's ReachIsrael.com. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. Get into the Christmas spirit this year with the Friendship with God Christmas album and hymnal book. With over 50 different arrangements on holiday classics, this four-disc set features solo vocalists, group ensembles, and classical piano tracks, and is perfect for road trips, family get-togethers, and holiday parties. In addition to the audio CDs, you'll also receive a copy of the largest hymnal ever published. Containing over a thousand hymns and melodies, this hardbound hymnal book and CD set make for a great gift this holiday season. Order this Christmas bundle today for just $29.99 online at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information, call 619-599-1104. That's 619-599-1104.